0: What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Jill Angelo is today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast. Jill had a 20-year career in tech with 15 of those years spent at Microsoft in executive roles before starting GENEV in 2015. Geneva is the first-ever online clinic for women in menopause working to change the stigma associated with women's health in the second half of life. Jill is also a board member for Special Olympics Washington, was named one of Inc. Magazine's 2016 Most Impressive Women Entrepreneurs. She is a wife and a stepmom. And a community builder here in Seattle. We're really grateful that you're here. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. It's you're good welcome. to be here. I love that it's like the second half of life. I'm like, uh oh, that's me. <laughs> Almost. I'm forty eight. Yeah. So I guess technically. Yeah. Almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it fifty technically? You know, I you know, I even sometimes say getting into the forties, like I'm forty six yeah. and so I kind of think I'm an emer- I'm emerging on my second half. Yeah. Uh, it just feels different. And I think that, that point at which you transition is different for everybody. You feel wiser. You do. You do. It wiser, more confident. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. just a
1: transition. I love yeah. it.
0: Yeah. I love it too. So okay, we're gonna start with rapid fire. Um, first question for you is which book do you most often recommend? Or audiobook.
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm into audiobooks. Um, you know, I love educated. I think that I'm reading it right now. It's amazing. I, I think to watch her progression through learning. Don't tell me. Don't tell me because I okay. haven't finished. It's common sense learning. It, okay. It, it puts our, our focus back on how much life teaches us versus how much we learn through books and like formal education. Yeah.
0: I can't wait. So it, what's crazy though is that I'm on page like 75 and I'm kind of stuck a little bit. And everyone of my girlfriends is like, no, no, keep pushing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. But anyway, thank you for the recommendation. Are you late to bed or early to rise?
1: Um, I... I've transitioned to late to bed. Yeah, unfortunately,
0: because you are doing what? I'm working. Oh, look you at know, you. I
1: sadly, but I, I actually don't mind it. Like, mm-hmm. I get creative, I get focused. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get up in the morning and run and exercise, but just not as early as I used to.
0: So, how many hours of sleep are you getting by on?
1: You know, I get eight hours. Oh,
0: good for seven you. To
1: eight. Yep. Nice.
0: What is a quality that you're most proud of? You can brag.
1: A personal quality. You know, I'm nice. And yet, I don't think I'm too nice. Um, I've worked at that over time. But I think at the end of the day, people appreciate and gravitate towards nice, positive people that are not going to make them feel uncomfortable being around.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. You are nice. What is your dream place to go skiing? Utah.
1: and I ski there already but I just love it
0: you love going there yeah that's awesome and how old were you when you first realized that you had leadership skills
1: that was pretty young you know I I'm the middle child of three Mm -hmm. and I was the boss of the three even if my siblings didn't like that but are you still the boss you know, you would think I'm the oldest child. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, yeah, most
0: responsible, most yep. kind of directed. And I'm charged. thinking ahead. Yeah. I'm,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm organizing. Yeah. And um,
0: what was something creative that you did as a child that you no longer do?
1: I did a lot of make believe. But I think it was because my mom really pushed me to, because, you know, any kid that comes inside, and I grew up on a cattle ranch, like, in the middle of North Dakota, so there wasn't a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But any time I complained about, I don't know what to do, I don't have anything to do, I what do I play? Mom was just like, go in the trees and make a restaurant.
0: Oh. And I did
1: that all the time. I picked crab apples from the tree. I brought out little containers. I I played restaurant all the time. I love that. Did you have a name for your restaurant? I didn't, actually, (laughs) but I I can picture it. I
0: feel like people who are raised in one extreme or the other, like either like hardcore New York City or kind of in the middle of a cattle ranch in the middle of, you know, North Dakota, almost have an advantage over like suburban kids who are just kind of going through. I don't know how to explain it. It Mm -hmm. just feels different.
1: Well, I think we have to um, like there wasn't a, a schedule of things to follow. Um, and we weren't being carted around and doing this and that and whatever, uh, or there wasn't things that city kids got to do or kids that lived in town that could go play with each other. Yeah. Um, whereas I just felt, and I think sometimes New York city too, it's like, it's a harsher environment uh-huh. and you have to learn how to survive and to entertain yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. It can
1: be very lonely <laughs> and even I in agree. a big place like that.
0: I agree. And what is your, this is my last question for you and then we'll dig in. I want to hear all about the cattle ranch. Um, what is your favorite time of year?
1: Spring. It's just, it smells good, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. Things are coming back to life.
0: The cherry blossoms. Yeah.
1: And it's leading to summer, which I really love summer too. But the spring thing is just, it ignites me. Yeah. Fires me up.
0: Yeah. So tell me about your childhood. So Fargo, I liked that movie, (laughs) but you don't have the accent.
1: You know, I took or North
0: a... Dakota. It's not necessarily Fargo, or yeah, is it? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's 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 Fargonian, you know. But it's North Dakota. Um, you know, oddly, I studied voice and diction in university. What are you going to do with that? So that's why I have, saw that. That's why I have a business degree. Um, but you know, I I maybe I'm conscientious of it. I'm very observant of others around me, and especially when I moved to the West Coast, I watched how people talked, their intonation, the words they used. And I think my vocabulary changed. When I go back to North Dakota, I now can hear how they are different. Well, of course. You know? And it,
0: does it do you slip back in or they hear an accent?
1: I can easily slip back in. Yeah. And once in a while it couple comes out A couple glasses of wine. Too. Yeah,
0: yeah. And <laughs> being bet,
1: around. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. So tell me, um, you said you're one of three. You're the middle child. Boys, girls.
1: Older sister, younger brother.
0: Okay, and what were your parents like, and how did their kind of way of um, raising you turn you into who you are today?
1: Uh, my parents are a unit; like it was them first, and then the kids. Whereas you see, some parents are all about the kids. My parents are like they're solid, and they're they're the same age. They're seventy four. They're c- creative. They're they love to explore. They were teachers before they did the cattle ranch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they are also not pampering so we really as kids had to learn to fend for ourselves um at times it was a little bit of a tough love environment which mm-hmm. has
0: that was generational too like i think we were raised like that in our generation yeah. like kind of get up
1: yeah yeah and and I, i'm actually really appreciative for that because it made me like self-sufficient yeah i'm not fragile yeah precious yeah um so yeah they just they really pushed us to think for ourselves earn our own money take care of ourselves um And and never be victims. Yeah. How did you make money? You know, I worked a lot for them, I should say, versus my dad. Like uh, my mom and dad are very much a unit. My mom was working in the fields and with the cattle as much as my dad Mm -hmm. was. Um, So I worked on the farm. That's how I paid my way through school. Um, And my dad paid really, really well. And so and I was like like I drove a swather which is like a combine but it cuts the straw or the grain and then lays it into rows and then you bail it up or you can combine it and it was like this y- big unit with a big like header on the front and it spins and it cuts the the wheat or the barley or the the, the grass and I even knew how to fix parts of it so amazing. I I became quite mechanical and it was and I'm a very like, um, like when you mow the lawn and you want the lines really yeah. straight, I was like that. you are like anal about it. Yeah. And where are your siblings now? Are they there? Um, my brother, my younger brother is, he's taking over the farm. He and his family live there uh-huh. um, because it's kind of something you pass down. Like our family homesteaded that land way back when FDR said, go west and, you know, plot. You That's know? amazing. And so that land's always been in my family.
0: Like generations Mm -hmm. from your dad's side? Yes. That's so cool. And so did you have a lot of um, tradition in the house? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, a fair amount. I grew up, um, I'm 100% German. Um, Both parents are German. Um, Mm -hmm. Grandparents immigrated. And so, yeah, we had tradition specifically around probably more religion hmm Very Lutheran, conservative, um, which has been an interesting transition throughout my life and where yeah. am I am now.
0: Well, we can kind of skip around, but I'm just curious. So you went to Minnesota State University. How did you choose that school?
1: You know, it was close enough yet far enough away from home. Um, it was liberal arts, which mm-hmm. I wanted. Um, and I was dating a guy back where I grew up. So it was about four hours away. Mm. Um, what yeah. happened to him? Um We got married and then we got divorced.
0: Ah, so you ended up with them. So it was kind of worth staying close at least.
1: You know, it was a good lesson. It was worth, it was a great learning in life around what I really wanted and and where I fit and where I belonged. Yeah. Interesting. And so
0: you went to public school, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. And what would those kids maybe from your middle school years say about you if I called them today? Would they be surprised
1: that you're running your own company? No, no. You know, I think, you know how they vote most likely to whatever, mm. and I was most likely to be successful.
0: Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for mine was something like kind of a backhanded compliment. It was like most likely to be an unemployed millionaire. So I don't, I think it was like not necessarily successful or maybe successful. I read it as successful, yeah. but I would have like made so much money that I could retire.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's. Hey, I don't
0: know. That's all the right. The guy version of me is super successful. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like,
1: okay, I'll take it. Yeah, the woman version is like, oh, you married into yeah. it, you know, yeah. no, I mean, like, Literally, literally
0: the guy, like, you know, the boy and the girl get it. So uh-huh. I'm still in touch with the guy who got it. And he's like the most, he's super successful. So I'm like, okay, well, oh. maybe we both should just interpret it like well, that.
1: Well, and I see you as super successful. <laughs> well, so thank congratulations. You. Thanks, Jill. I you. appreciate it. So, um okay,
0: so you went there and you wanted to stay near the dude. Did you pay for school? Or your parents paid for
1: it? You know, my parents paid for it. And I would go home home every summer and work. And so, yeah,
0: you mentioned that you studied rhetoric, speech communication, but also film and business administration. That's a Mm. whole lot of studying.
1: Yeah. You know, the speech and rhetoric and film, um, we're all kind of part of the same department. And Mm. that's that's what that's where my interests were. Like I competed, I was a speech nerd. Like I competed on the speech team and, and went the circuit around the... What's the, the speech
0: team? Is that like the debate team?
1: It's debate. It's also like a performance. It, there's some interpretation of different types of genres of literature. Um, mm. And then there's persuasive speaking, informative. And I'd say persuasion and informative where you pick a topic and you, you're like pitching, if mm. you will, um, really kind of relates to Now, what I do when I pitch my business or pitch investors.
0: What's so interesting is as I'm listening, because we've got on our headphones, and I've done maybe 50 of these now, is I'm like, she's so articulate and you have a very calming voice and very, you're very, you're just um, soothing to listen to. And I was like, I wonder if that's from school, like (laughs) learning how to speak like this.
1: Well, I had one, um, one speech instructor, he was actually my coach, and he said to me, I was rehearsing once one day in front of him, he's like, stop, stop. And he's like, waving his hands. And I stop and he goes, just stop talking. He goes, lower your voice. I can't even I can't even listen to you. Mm. And and it was like, while tough feedback. You know, I I didn't we don't naturally think about what our voice is like to listen to. Mm. So I've worked at it um, and then I just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And so um,
0: what brought you out of Minnesota to, I mean, I'm meeting you like Seattle.
1: Well, you know, after school, then I did the, um, uh, even before I was done with school, I started working for a tech company in Fargo called Great Plains. Oh, okay. Um, and it was like accounting software. Um, yes, I remember Great Plains. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it was early there. And... Worked, started working full-time before I was even done with, with school because they gave me such a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. I was in recruitment um, and worked in HR and then started moving into marketing, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get the job there, and how did you even know about it? So. I went to a, I went to a job fair one day, mm. and there was this little booth. There was all these companies. And I, I used like, to do
0: those. Those were old yeah, school. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was hosting at these job fairs.
1: You set up your little booth yeah. with the table They're and so the painful. tablecloth. Yeah. So I go over to the Great Plains booth, and I'd kind of... I was like, yeah, I think I've seen that company when I drive by it on the road. Um, but I, I hand them my resume. I said, yeah, I'm looking for internships. And they said, well, what kind? And I said... Mm, well, I've got a business background and a speech background. They're like, oh, you might maybe fit HR. And I said, great, here's my, oh, well, we've already found somebody. So, you know, and I said, well, why don't you just take my resume anyway? And a week later, I get a call and they said, hey, we'd actually like to have you come in and talk to us. So at that moment, I was like, woo, you know, always always be persistent, like don't ask for permission yes. or if they say, oh, we already don't say, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. Well... Don't
0: accept now. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's your persuasive.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Coming through. And so they called and were just like, hey, we have this other job, but the other person fell through. You know, I never, I don't even know whatever happened to the other person, uh-huh. but it was the internship in the HR department. And I, I took it and just started figuring out like this whole business side of life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I loved it. And pretty soon I started traveling and my jobs continued to change throughout the company. Uh, You know, I was in the East Coast and the West Coast and then it was international. And I was like, wow, I had never thought big enough about life. Yeah, you were like seeing the world. Yeah, yeah.
0: And most of your friends that you went to high school with were probably like, wait, where is she? Because did they stay?
1: Many of them did or, you know, kind of moved a little bit. I was, uh, my school was close to the, an Air Force base. So we had a lot of transient, you know, kids moving. Um, But yeah, it was, I'm definitely an anomaly, you Mm -hmm. know. And the Great Plains role is what
0: brought you to Seattle because they acquired, uh, Microsoft acquired them? Microsoft acquired Great Plains. So did everybody move?
1: No, a small, like initially, you know, like Microsoft was like, okay, we don't want to Overly integrate this company, and they were trying to be very careful to allow us to continue to work the way we were, because mm-hmm. um, we were pretty successful in our industry. But they said, "Well, we're going to create this small, like small and medium-sized business group at Microsoft." Mm. You know, are there any any people to raise their hands? And I was one of the first. I was like, "Yep, I know that I'm meant to be someplace else, and I don't quite know where that is, but I'm going to try out Seattle." Mm-hmm. And so I raised my hand. And I moved here, and I was part of this new kind of integrated team. And you didn't know anybody? and No. Did your
0: husband at the time come with you, or you were by yourself?
1: I was now by myself. We were married for about two years. Yeah, So um, you're just
0: a baby at this time. Yeah. And you're like, hey, adventure time. Here I go.
1: Well, you know, here, yeah, I was, I, you know, I was 27. And to, like, kick off, like, right after the acquisition, Bill Gates comes to Fargo to, like, Welcome. It was like the biggest acquisition at that time that Microsoft of had course. done. So he comes to the Fargo Dome and and they invite the whole community because it's kind of a big deal in Fargo to have Microsoft. And they needed someone to demo product on stage. And early, early insight, they're like, well, we should have a woman. And so I got picked, and they're like, "Well, oh, that's you know. incredible!" So I was on the stage with him. I was 27, and I was just like, "I want more of this." And so that was a big push in getting me. Oh to my come gosh, out here. I yeah. have chills. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah, were you so scared? I was so nervous. Did, did you be- get any coaching or prepping, or how did you even do that?
1: Oh yeah, like waiting for for Bill G to arrive is like waiting for the president. Oh, of course. You don't know what you have time. to be Bill ready. You just have to be ready. So yeah. we're like. We're ready and everyone's coaching, like the CEO of Great Plains, the producers, some of the tech guys, because I had a huge tech team because we were prototyping an early version of a tablet with RFID software. And of course, they all wanted to support, you know, because they're like, this is Bill G. And so I, yeah, I was just That's like, incredible. So you're like, I want more of this. So you come out to
0: Seattle, you don't know anybody and you end up there for 15 years?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: well, Tell me about your Microsoft experience. What kind of words would you use to describe the culture?
1: Um, boy, the culture, it pushes you. And if you're willing to be pushed, then you will be successful mm-hmm. there. Um, I always like to say, because it's such a big company, like I invented my, reinvented myself three times. Like I had three chunks to my career there because you know, I'm one of those people – you you have the types that are either like i'm going to grow my career in this vertical and be really amazing at this thing and start at level 1 and then go to level 12 and then you have others that like to zigzag because they're just curious about trying other parts of the company mm-hmm. and it's oftentimes slower growth but you know, it's just interesting. But and it I, looks
0: like you had both, growth and zigzag.
1: I did, but I took the zigzag route. And so I saw some of my peers probably grow to more senior level roles, mm-hmm. even than me faster. Um, but I had a lot of fun doing it.
0: Yeah. And what was your experience there as a woman? Yeah. Did you feel that you had um, equal opportunity?
1: You know, I did up until a certain point when I became aware of it which Mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, I was naive to it for so long and never really saw it until I was in a meeting where I responded to a a question. And the guy re-asked the question and just kind of acted like I hadn't even responded until a manager of mine who was a man said what Jill said. And at that moment, I was like, whoa, whoa this this is a thing
0: he it, said the words what jill said or he repeated what you said he said what
1: jill said that's great i know what a advocate like that's i was like amazing. thank you yeah um big i
0: think she just answered your question yeah yeah that's incredible
1: and then my eyes were i was like whoa you know yeah th- this does exist i have to be aware of it uh-huh um do you think the same exists for introverts and extroverts that's a great question um and which are you I used to be extroverted. I think I'm much more introverted now, mm-hmm. and I always thought I was extroverted. And then I realized how hard I was working to be extroverted. Like, here's an example: Once I was at a therapist. Um, I have I have a therapist that I go to every once in a while, and she said, to me, <clears throat> and she said to me, you know, what do you do when you're at a party? Or what do you look forward to? And I said going to the bathroom, and she's like escaping everyone. She said it's because it's quiet, isn't it? And I said, yeah. I just need that those moments of quiet Mm -hmm. to just like, okay, Mm -hmm. back on. And
0: what about when you're going into an event? Do you get like angst?
1: I can. I focus a lot on breathing. Yeah, it's funny
0: because I'm like off the charts extrovert and. Yet sometimes I just am not in the mood and I can get anxious going into some of these things. Like I don't really feel like because I'm such an extrovert, I feel like I'm supposed to like really bring it. And if I'm not in the mood to be completely on and I just wanna kind of be, it's like not acceptable. Yeah.
1: Is that's how it feels. So Well and, and do you get you get like exhausted? thinking Um, about it that's how i feel
0: i get i don't necessarily get exhausted thinking about it but sometimes i don't i'm either like want to be like this like where we're really talking about real stuff or not or partying and having fun and being light and dancing but the in between the kind of like oh how was your break oh how are the i'm like i can't Mm -hmm. it just feels like filler and it's it feels like a waste of time
1: You know, my dad calls that, um, like when we go, when I go home for family vacations, he's Uh like, okay, let's have some level five conversation. None of this messing around with the chit chat. I love
0: your dad. Yeah.
1: And it is, it's just like energy. But also, when
0: you set that tone, that like, let's operate in the, um, I'm in an entrepreneur's organization. We talk about talking in the 5%,
1: the
0: 5%, either zero to five or like 95 to 100. What's really going on is much more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So, and the same yeah. thing on on the business side. So all in all, you would say that you had a pretty positive experience at Microsoft. Obviously you stayed for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Did you feel like you were an entrepreneur there a little bit?
1: Yeah, I wanted to be, I think that's where I was a great, um, I, I was creative. I always wanted to do things slightly different than mm-hmm. they have been done. Um, And I think that made me refreshing to be around. But it also, at the same time, when you don't use kind of the playbook that's been established that has been successful, um, it can work against you, too. Mm Because that room for experimentation, while I think that that place wants to be open to it, it's just inherently not always. Or or nor can it, because it's a big machine. It's got to keep running, like, at top form. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that room for error just doesn't exist like... It does in the in the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. And who along the way has
0: influenced you as far as who you've learned the most from mm. at work?
1: So I would say, so a lot of my roles, I worked amongst executives, like executive teams before I would say I was one. Mm-hmm. And like whether I was a chief of staff or a speech writer, I was always around really senior leaders. Mm-hmm. And early on, I learned how vulnerable they can be, um, how much they are just other human beings. They're just human beings like everybody else. And so even how I learned to manage up to them to make them their best or to support them, or even I watched how they made decisions, sometimes on very little data but on gut, it made me much more relaxed as a leader or as a manager myself. And it also has made me more compassionate about, you know, whether it's executive-type leaders or people at any level – it gives me more room. It gives me. It helps me give them more room around trusting their gut. You know, what do you think is the right decision? Mm-hmm. You know, um, just go with it and mm-hmm. let's see what happens based on what you know now. Because I think so often in our teams or people around us, they think that they've got to have all this data or the right things lined up to actually yeah. drive a decision. And that certainly isn't the case. And I learned that by working, always being the junior person amongst really senior people.
0: Right. And obviously somebody that they completely depended on. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter on your title. It's like this is somebody who's like if Jill's here, she's going to get it done and she's going to give it to me straight. Mm-hmm. So that's not accidental that you ended up around all the executives. What would you say that kind of how they would describe you?
1: I was um, unflappable is one word I heard often. I heard she's a good partner. We can always trust Jill. Yeah. Um, and and yet, on those the... are all really good words. Nice, unflappable, <laughs> you know, trustworthy. Good ones. Um, and yet, you know, the partner thing. This is one interesting thing I did learn. Um, one manager um, at the time, I was a chief of staff to this individual, and and he had looked at you know all the performance reviews of his leadership team. So these are all people senior to me. I was his chief of staff that described that gave verbatims by which he was kind of judging my performance score. Mm. And he said, Jill, I pattern matched. Everyone, you know, in here, the word partner appears so much. And he goes, that's great, but I'd like to see the word leader emerge. And it's not. Mm. You're a good supporter. You're good behind the scenes. Mm. But when are you going to emerge? And I was like, hmm.
0: That's such great feedback.
1: It was. It was a hard, a little hard to hear, and yet I was like... It's always hard to hear the good
0: feedback yeah, that, yeah. that makes you grow, right? Yeah. Instead of like, you're just amazing. You're so great. It's That's really helpful that somebody would say that to you. Mm. Um, And so... When did you get this idea for Genevieve and decide to leave an incredible career that you were having at Microsoft?
1: So I took a sabbatical at Microsoft, which is something that's granted if you've been there a certain amount of time and Mm -hmm. you're at a certain level. Um, And mine had been sitting there for about two years and I hadn't taken it. And I felt my career kind of plateauing a Mm -hmm. bit. You felt a little stagnant. Yeah. So a friend of mine said, we were going through reorganization. I had a new role. I didn't love it. And a, a friend and mentor at the company said... You know, Jill, you don't have to take that job. Just, just let them l- let them assign it to someone else, and take your sabbatical and take some time off. So this was like three months of paid leave, and so I took it. Does it get scary to do that?
0: Like, uh oh, I'm going to get overlooked, or it's going to look like I'm being kind of lax.
1: Yeah, or you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out.
0: Yeah, the FOMO thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Um, and yet I think I was exacerbated enough with the changes in the reorg that I was like. I kind of don't care. I'm leaving without a job. It gives me ultimate freedom. I'll find something when I come back. And my sponsor at the time, he said, you know, you're the most dangerous kind of kind of employee that we have. You're leaving without a job. He goes, we don't have a hook to bring you back, you know, so um, which made me feel great. And yet I just felt so free. So oh, I'm sure. So empowering. Yeah. So I took those three months. My husband and I, we like we moved to Utah. Wait, when did you meet the husband? Um, oh, my husband. We skipped over yeah, all that because we, we haven't gotten to the personal. But I'm like, where'd this
0: guy come in? I kind of cyber-stalked you a little bit. You guys are so cute.
1: He's he's awesome. Like you know, if if people could see me smiling or if they hear the smile through my voice, um, he's just like the best thing. He um, we met through Microsoft. He was, he's been a, a vendor or a producer for their big events and things mm. for years. I was a client. Mm. Um, Scandal. We, I know. I know. <laughs> it sounds like it. But we knew each other for like six or seven years before all of a sudden things changed. Huh. And it was just night and day different. We're like, whoa. And I always thought, you know, I wish I could meet someone like Jim Angelo. Um, he's so awesome, but younger. <laughs> A younger version. Well he looks young. He does. And it's
0: also like I mean, 40 is the new thirty and it yeah, all it's all relative. It's it in is. your it's in your spirit. It
1: is. Yeah. And so um so that happened in two thousand eight. Um we it moved very quickly. Mm. And when you're older, like I was at the time I was thirty three, he was fifty three. Um, you just you kinda move and go yeah. and it was I'm awesome. When I see it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm
0: happy to hear that. That's awesome. And so you took these three months and what did you do with your time?
1: We, um, we moved to Utah for three months, back to the Utah theme, and just hiked and were in nature. And, and I started just, I thought, you know, I'm going to take this time to get eight, get eight hours of sleep a night, get really healthy, and explore kind of career ideas I've never thought or that was just kind of been in the back of my head. And Mm -hmm. one thing was working for the Sundance Film Festival. Like I wanted to like run it, you know, or I love film. And so I explored that a little bit. Um, I was also kind of in touch with my sponsor back at Microsoft and looking at roles. Um, But then I got contacted by a former manager of mine from Microsoft and said, hey, you know, I don't, you know, they had left the company many years before, but it was just like, I don't know where you're at in your career, Jill, but there's this interesting woman that I met who built Neutrogena, and she might have a business idea, and we really need a CEO or someone to run it. Mm. You came to mind. Was she investing in it? Well, she said, if you come on board, I'll invest in the company. And so she's like, buy a ticket, come to LA, let's just, just come meet this woman. Okay. And so I did. And I went to meet Jackie Brandwin. And she is... This woman who picked up Neutrogena as a small little soap company, joined the company, really built that brand, sold it to Johnson & Johnson years later, and then um, coming out of that, formulated some products for women in menopause, like health and wellness products, and had this big idea about serving this largely underserved audience.
0: Okay. How was the idea originally pitched to you?
1: Um. So when I – so this former manager for Microsoft um, – The most she told me was, I think there's a business idea there. Come meet Jackie. Mm -hmm. Um, I flew to L.A. I went to Jackie's um, beautiful home in Bel Air. Um, And we sat, just her and I, in this sitting room. And she told me her life story. And she talked about how she had, um, you know, she was a Swiss immigrant and how she worked her way up um, from nothing in the U.S. to... Neutrogena, selling it to J and J and then formulating these products with Roche Laboratories, getting FDA approval, getting breast cancer, having to put the business on hold. And now here we were we were mm. um, in Bel Air. In Bel Air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, side yeah, note. Yeah. yeah. And um and she's an elderly woman too. Uh-huh. So it's not like she's got this huge, you know, career ahead of her. Yeah. So she's did... like,
0: here's the idea. Yeah. And it, you wanna come run it.
1: Yeah. We, and what was the idea, though? But at the time, it was like, you know, she knows consumer packaged goods. Yeah. And so it was like consumer packaged goods, let's sell it online. And you it was know? products to help women in menopause. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. With, with feminine dryness or, dare I say, vaginal dryness. Yeah. Um, yes. So, and now what is it today? So we have evolved. So we started with products, but we knew, let's just get into market and try this uh-huh. and we'll figure out what the bigger company or the bigger business should be because we knew women were underserved, but we didn't know how to serve them. Mm -hmm. So let's start with a product. Well, early on with just a product, we learned, we did, we surveyed 1,500 women in the United States Mm -hmm. and learned early on, like to just find out how do you educate yourself on this part of your health? How do you know where to go find products Mm -hmm. or how do you deal when people say, sorry, it's just part of life? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And the large insight coming out of that was like, there is no place to start the conversation. And so one thing I had kind of from my Microsoft time was like, I knew how to publish content. So I hired, my first hire was like a content creator and she's an amazing writer and still still works with me today. Um, we just started publishing content and people started to come and it built an audience and they were buying the product and we listened and we learned that their doctors were shrugging them off or that they didn't even have a doctor to go talk to and there was just this gap in care and so we eventually launched our telemedicine offering so women can book appointments with OBGYNs who are certified by the mm-hmm. by the North American Menopause Society mm-hmm. and then and we, there's a shortage right of OBGYNs yeah.
0: and so how do these so these are doctors that are doing this on the side or they're full-time Working with you?
1: Um, they're doing it on the side. Many of them, like the average age of an OBGYN in the US is 55. Mm. So the majority, we're, we're retiring them faster than we're graduating new ones, right. hence the shortage. And so um, many of them that come on board with us, they are wanting to tailor back their practice or they want more balance in their career. It's all um, part time mm. based on when they can do this, but a lot of them are seasoned. OBGYNs who are gynecologists who are working now with this demographic of women in menopause. Um, and they want to do something new and different, or they see telemedicine as the mm-hmm. new frontier in For healthcare. Sure. And how do you find them? Uh, mostly through the North American Menopause Society. Um, our chief medical officer is an OBGYN, Dr. Rebecca duns and she's got an incredible network. It's a pretty tight network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she really is is the, at the forefront of recruiting our, our physicians.
0: Awesome. And who else is on your team? Who else has comprised the Rock Rockstar uh, group?
1: Well, because we are a technology company, our VP of technology is Sarah Ramsey. She has a tech She's an engineer from the past and a product person from Fred Hutch Cancer Research, and then she was at Providence and worked on the Circle app, which was a maternity um, app um, there for women. And uh, so she's on the board, leads our development, software development efforts. Um, Shannon Perry is the the writer um, Mm -hmm. and is our director of content and programming, and we continue to still publish a lot of educational content for women. Um, And then we have... Uh, A number of health coaches. Um, We've learned as well. We continue to evolve. Some women want to take like the allopathic doctor, you know, Western medicine route Mm -hmm. to menopause. Like we offer prescriptions and so forth via telemedicine. And others want to take more of a lifestyle approach Mm -hmm. or they want to blend the two approaches. So we have um, registered dietitians who now are menopause Specialists, or we call them menopause coaches, where you can subscribe to work with a health coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And how much does that cost? um, Introductory pricing. We just launched that offering is ten dollars per month. Oh, that's great! It's really so. And and is
0: there a community aspect to it too? And how do you control that messaging?
1: Yeah, community is huge. Um, We early on started our community in Facebook because it was free, and we dip our toe. And it's amazing, the dialogue. It just kind of takes off on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, and it's free. And then we have kind of a forum, you know, Q&A on our platform where women ask questions or offer solutions or Mm -hmm. our coaches or doctors will jump into it once in a while. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, and yeah, women not only want the social nature of the community, like, I'm really, I can't sleep at night. Is anyone else having that problem? And women will just chime in. Um, but the community is huge because it keeps us relational with the women. Mm-hmm. And for me as a business owner, it's like a real-time focus group. And so you had that initial investment from your
0: Microsoft contact. Mm-hmm. And um, when did you decide to go out and raise money? I know what from my notes, it sounds like you've raised $5.3 million. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And all the women... Um, conversations around how challenging it can be to fundraise and that, you know, 2% of VC money goes to women. And I would imagine that um, in the femtech space, it's probably difficult to get the messaging across and the men probably want to go home and be like, honey, is this mm-hmm. something that you would use? Yeah. That's what I've heard, yeah. at least. Is that is that your experience? It,
1: totally. It, you know, I've, I've never had such rejection in all my life. <laughs> um, it, you know, it for the longest time, it was like, you're okay. You're a first-time founder. Um, you've never raised money before, uh, and you're raising it for menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a thing? Yeah. You know, I heard most often, oh, it's such a niche market. And you're like, I mean, because
0: like 58 percent of women.
1: Yeah. It's like and half the population, like every woman goes through it. And, you know, one in three experience a pretty tough go of it. Um, So it took a long time to raise like the biggest. We had a big round last year. We raised four million. And so the first one point five was small bits and bobs Mm -hmm. from, you know, friends, family, angels. Yeah. Um, And then the four million last year. Um, menopause is finally on the market. Like even early last year, like we launched our telemedicine and that was a big moment for us. We were in one state. Now, a year later, we're in 40 states. And That's incredible. It's just, it's been so great. But, you know, I think at the same time, our raise, our big raise came in alignment with everyone waking up and saying, wow, women's health is big. And what's still untapped in it? Menopause. Yeah. yeah. You know, fertility, there's been a lot of innovation. You know, um, maternity, there's been a lot of innovation. Yeah. You know, period tracking, been a lot of innovation. And menopause is kind of the final frontier.
0: Is there one that can just kind of weave it all together for all women to have like a one stop shop?
1: For everything? <laughs> yeah, just pick I'm a
0: woman, <laughs> what's going on with my body? Yeah. It's complicated. You know,
1: I think it's gonna take all of us partnering down the road. Like we often yes. say We're pretty tight in the femtech community. Like we, many of us know each other, and we're like, okay, if what if we're all, you know, we'll all be successful because it's such a big market. Yeah. And if we can help guide women through this. It'll journey. help everyone. It'll help everyone. It's the rising tide. Lifts yeah. all boats.
0: I tried to I tried to say these things all the time at my office and my team jokes with me because I always get them wrong and I always have. I'm like, I'll get all the eggs on the table or whatever. And yesterday I was trying to say the all tide rise, whatever. And I was like, lift the boat, everybody lift the boat. <laughs> I couldn't remember how to say it. So no, I completely agree. And so what what is the business model today? How does the company make money?
1: So we have services and products. With the $10, yeah. Yeah. So on the services side, we've got the subscription for $10 a month. Um, And then we also, if you want to book an appointment with a doctor, it's $45 for an Mm -hmm. appointment. So it's out of pocket right now. Um, We haven't gone the insurance reimbursement route. Um, And then um, products. It's transactional. If you want to buy a product online um, through our e-commerce store, you Mm -hmm. certainly can. And what's the best-selling product right now? You know, uh, we have started to transition into menopause supplements and the supplements are really growing and I think they'll overtake the lubricant products that we have. Um, mm-hmm. lubricants obviously are flagship, you know where we started so that's still the highest. but mm-hmm. the supplements are coming on and we've got some really exciting um, other things coming out this year uh, that i'm I'm just really excited about yeah
0: what uh, what is on the uh, agenda this year? like what are your goals for 2020?
1: Uh, you know, it's, it's mostly user growth. I I always say if someone thinks about menopause, I want them to think Genev. So for me as a thought leader, um, like we were just on the today show with Maria Shriver and it was like, I saw that and I was so psyched. I was like, and then she's going to be on my podcast. It was so awesome. Well, I was like, okay, Maria Shriver. And then Shauna, like, you know, like it's perfect. It just keeps going up. Um, That's hilarious. But you know, it's, um, that was a great launch pad. And my my thing is, because there's so few players still in the menopause space, we're kind of in a leadership position, so I want to maintain that. But yes. more than anything, that's the competitive side of me. But for women, um, I just want them to know that there is this option. Yeah. And getting the word out is the biggest start to that because so many women just feel alone and like they're going crazy. And- yeah. Um, yeah.
0: A friend of mine's um, ahead of me in life, maybe five years. And she's like, you know how when you're thinking about getting engaged, just suddenly you notice rings. And when you're thinking about a car, suddenly you're looking at cars. You kind of get focused on whatever's in front of you. And I'm not in menopause. I, I mean, at least I don't think I am. And so I was asking her, how do you know? Because she was like, oh, the sweats, the heat up and down. And I was like, well, will you know? I called my mom. And I'm like, when? She's like, I don't know. My mom didn't really have a big situation Um but she's like, oh, whatever you do when it does happen, come to me because no one talks about it. But then one of my friends told me to get this patch. And it, like, I had never heard of it. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Vival or something? Vival? You,
1: you know, Vival? There's, know. Yeah, there's a couple of different patches. There's different ways. And that's like a, a hormone yeah. patch.
0: And I guess maybe I would go to my OB. But now that I know, obviously, um, about the company, the first thing I'm going to do is go to your website and just start to understand what's going on. And I can do that from my bed.
1: Yeah. It, I can just
0: be comfortable at home and do my own, on my own timeline, not feel like I'm rushing a doctor, my own research.
1: Yeah. You know, we always tell women, and we just did, we have this menopause assessment on our website, mm-hmm. which is like, uh, uh takes you about seven, I took it. seven minutes. Oh, great. Survey. Yeah. yeah. It kind of helps you understand where you're maybe at in the journey. And the greatest gift is information, yes. you know, so that you can kind of, no, like again, the biggest thing is if you're if you don't know or if you think that something's seriously wrong or it just feels mysterious because some things are changing, but I don't know why yes um it just kind of starts to help women normalize it and understand what's happening so they yeah. can actually do something about
0: it. What would you say are the kind of four or five things they should know about menopause and I still don't really know because in my mind, I'm like, I'll deal with that when I actually have to. Mm-hmm. But it's like mood swings, sweats, weight gain, fatigue, fatigue. Oh, I have fatigue. I mean, look at me with my coffee.
1: Fatigue. It's a fatigue. big one, and and oftentimes you're like, oh, God, my sleep patterns really haven't stopped. I'm not like working out. We're always busy, mm-hmm. so we're always going to feel an ounce of that. But fatigue really comes on, and it's the most reported, like quality of life mm-hmm. challenging symptom we hear from. And women.
0: how long does the how long does
1: menopause last? Two to ten years. Two to ten. Mm-hmm. Did you say ten? Yep. Yep. Crap. And really, so if you think about the journey, so perimenopause is dude is all the, <laughs> all the I know is all the symptoms no. leading up to the the day that menopause is, which is twelve month anniversary of no of consistently not having a period, and then everything on the backside of that is post menopause and. There are different symptoms that can come in post that we track amongst our audience. And post-menopause essentially is the second half of life. And so if you think about, you know, peri and leading into post, all the preventative steps that you can do to prepare for that post and how well you're going to come out of it. And, like what kinds of things? Um, di- Diet and sleep, Um are so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Like plant-based. Yeah. And then even um, plant-based, especially a Mediterranean diet around for brain health. Mm. Um, Here's a couple interesting, and I don't say this to alarm, it's to be aware. Um, You know, brain health, heart health, and bone health are the three biggies for women in the second half of life. Like
0: brain health. And so what do we do for brain health? Like folic acid.
1: (laughs) Brain health. um, The biggest thing that keeps you from getting dementia or Alzheimer's in your brain is... So your estrogen keeps the lining in our brains supple and um, protective. It starts to shrink as we go through menopause because our hormones you know, decline in our bodies. And so how you can help improve that is through diet, mostly Mediterranean diet. Um, There's an amazing researcher that we work with, Dr. Lisa Moscone. She's at Weill Cornell um, Medical Center in New York City, and she's published books on this. And um, she's definitely someone you should have on your podcast. In I would the love to have. She's her fantastic. On. But just the awareness about those
0: things. Um, so brain health, and then and then you said bone health, and that's like calcium mm-hmm. and um, vitamin D. Vitamin D. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, biotin in some ways, but look for bone health supplements that come from reputable sources. Um, we will release one soon, uh, as well. But it's big. Um, mm-hmm. more women. Um die of hip fractures when they're older women than women of breast cancer. Hmm. not that an interesting statistic? That
0: is an interesting statistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my hips are messed up, so that's... Even worse. Mine are kind of, too.
1: I run. I used to do a lot of marathons, and I kind of hurt myself because I overstretched or overdid something, and then I was like, well, I'll just stick with running, <laughs> you know, yeah. and be tight, which do you is have not one, good. Do you have one of those um,
0: massagers that you can use on your body? Like a roller? I just, yeah. no, like an electric massager. Oh, no. I just got one. It's a game changer. Oh, I'll okay. give you a link okay. to get it. it. It was definitely a game changer for me. It, like, awesome. digs into your hips. Oh, so.
1: Great. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because hip pain, it's like way in there. You can't get at it. I
0: know. Um, Okay, so tell me about a little bit more about Genev as far as the culture that you're trying to build. Have you set your values? And um, if so, what are those?
1: You know, our values, we kind of shout them out in the office uh, a little bit. But um, number one, you know, passion for women's health. We've cycled through people in yeah, the company. That would be
0: helpful. It, it is. You should kind of care about what we're trying to do. You
1: should. Um, and it, it helps. And, you know, to whatever degree it, it, it means what it means to you, whether you're, you know, a 26-year-old guy who is running our SEO mm-hmm. or, you know, but I, I found that's what makes you most kind of. Sticky and really connective with the team well,
0: especially when you're in a startup and there's the ups the downs and mm-hmm. the pay is not always I mean somebody could be like Amazon's messed it up for the rest of us. Yeah. Right. That you have to be like but I'm really passionate yeah. about what we're trying to do. Yeah.
1: So that's that's number one. Um, You know trust we we have to earn like this is such a personal thing for women we have to earn their trust and so we have to trust each other in the in the workplace and with trust comes so many things that are just baked into that integrity um holding people's confidence um being respectful um so trust is the second thing that's huge um and third is diversity it's ma- it's it matters so much in the quality of your decisions we even at times when we're missing diversity of um Age, ethnicity, you know, um, walk of life in the team, um, we feel it because mm. we think, oh, what don't we know? What don't what don't we know that we don't know? Um, and we see it amongst our team of physicians that do our telemedicine. We need more diversity there because women want to work with practitioners that look like them or that get, you know, menopause in in the African-American community is quite different than it is in the Asian community Mm. in the United States. Um, How it's passed down, how sometimes some of the symptoms that women in those communities Mm. suffer from. Or even
0: culturally, sometimes I think just how things are talked about. Like you talking about being Lutheran and conservative might be different than like my kind of open, wild, crazy Jewish family that's like talks about everything. Yeah. Um, I'm sure my mom would talk to me about anything. And it's not like there's not much that's taboo. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that even makes sense. But I'm just as you're talking about it, I'm like, that that resonates for me.
1: It's huge. You know, and so that diversity, um, it feels like it's the buzzword right now. um, But we feel it. We Mm. feel it when we're not diverse and we've got work to do there. Um, So that's a that's a third. I'll stop at three. Um, You have to be curious. You know, in a startup, you've got to like not be afraid to just yeah. Be curious enough to try something. If it doesn't work, then yeah. move on and get to the next. Don't mm-hmm. wallow in it or sit on a decision because you just can't make one because you don't have enough data. Like yeah. just go.
0: How many pitches did you have to do before you raised?
1: A lot of people count theirs. I didn't. I lost count. <laughs> I, hundreds. Literally. Hundreds. And you know Did you get
0: better and better cuz you're I would think you're really good at this.
1: I got better with the reason why and also with the clarity of vision. I was right. probably a little squishy at the start. Yeah. Um, and
0: did you kind of waste your meetings on those, the big ones, early? Or did you know to kind of practice on the ones you didn't really want?
1: I didn't know what I yeah. was doing. You just, Who was guiding any, you
0: through all of this? Anyone?
1: Um, My husband. Oh. You know, through the moments where I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. Or there were tears. He just was such a trooper. And... He's just – he just to have someone believe in you that much.
0: That's amazing. Um, and then to see you on the Today Show, he must have been – we like to use the word cavelling. <laughs> he must have been just like such a proud, proud husband. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It
1: was good. That's it, really it cool. Was, Did anything like...
0: come of that? Like sometimes my brother was on Shark Tank and I was like, what's going to happen? Are we just going to like skyrocket? The website's going to
1: crash? You know, we prepared – so that it wouldn't crash, and if, thankfully it didn't. My team's awesome; um, they worked really hard at that. Uh, but it's been fantastic for business. Like we had more menopause assessments in that day alone than we get in five months combined. It was really it's, so. And then, and then the Sunday after. Maria Shriver has something called the Sunday Paper, which is her own kind of media platform around yeah. a newsletter. And um, she put us in that as one of her holiday gift guide recommend date. Like the gift just keeps on giving. And um, and it's just, you know, women more than anything are finding us as a result. And it, it traffic obviously has leveled back down, but it's at a higher level than it was going into it.
0: That makes me happy. And so what can people do that want to help like, if people want to make sure that everyone knows, oh, yeah, is it social media? because um, that's awkward too be Like, hey, yeah.
1: you know, I, I honestly think this is a word of mouth sort of growth engine. And you think about the power of women talking to other
0: women. Well, that's just how that we roll, it right? Is. We just sit and have a glass of wine or go on a walk or do yoga
1: and we talk. Yeah, And you think about how many brands have grown mm-hmm. off the backs of those conversations mm, for sure. That's that's the that's the model I want for GENEV. and it's mm-hmm. it's not anything that you can over engineer. Mm-hmm. It's something you have to earn, and so that's why getting in front of as many women in an in as authentic way as possible, so that they share it with others, just like your friend said to you, "Hey, when you do go through it, come talk to me." Yeah, yeah, totally. Like that is precious. Yeah,
0: and I know that you've got a couple of competitors. Mm-hmm. How do you stack against them, and what's different?
1: So, um, you know, I've met them as well. Um, and one of them said to me, actually, uh, Jill, we've been watching you and we're we've we we've, no, we've looked for your gaps. And so that's where we've kind of started in, you know, where we try to. And I was like, that's really smart. That's a smart approach. Um, good on you, you know. Yeah, and think, you're like, and we're shutting down yeah, this like, yeah, I was for like, like, like a week. I was like, thanks for sharing that with me. You know? Um you know, I would say a lot of our new, and they're all new. So we've got age on them. Oh, for sure. We've also got a lot of content expertise going for us. Um, mm-hmm. Where they've started a lot is on the whole telemedicine, or they're trying to mimic the Roman or the HIMS model. So these models in digital health that have come out for men around erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. or, you know, male pattern baldness. Like, let's get you prescription level. Um, drugs in a most efficient sort of way, where you don't even need to meet with a doctor. You fill out a questionnaire. You take a picture of your license to authenticate that it's you. A doctor in some sort of back room, don't know who they are. Sorry. I'm kind of positioning us against them, but they review it and then either approve or not your prescription. You get it shipped to you on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, There are now competitors that are starting to build that model for menopause. And that's... That's a that's a different approach than we. We still believe women's health starts with a conversation. Women are more complicated. And so... Well, I
0: also think there's like everything that you take has like a side effect. Totally. And then you're like chasing the whole time. You're like, well, if I take this, then I'm going to have to do that. And it's like weighing it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do you minimize that trial and error yeah. versus the quick fix pill that could harm or not you? um, And you have no relationship with that brand. Uh, that, so... Well, sometimes someone's like, well, that's high growth, Jill. Yours is going to grow slower. I'm like, yeah, but I'll be around. And my patients or customers will be with us for, you know, five to ten years. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to build. Don't get me wrong. Like, I want a big, big successful business. Um, I'm as competitive as anybody. But my approach there is just... I don't need the quick fix kind of model.
0: It's the same in my industry. People are like, well, why aren't you like double the size? But I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. then I don't have the relationships. And then I'm not kind of managing the business in the way that I want that matches our values. Mm -hmm. And it's a choice. Yep. Yeah. But but I do feel that there's a staying power there mm-hmm. to that choice. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, I'm super grateful that you have been so vulnerable with all of your sharing, um, just about everything, your personal life a little bit, and um, and the business. I'm curious how you make it all happen, and how do you relax and find time for everything? Like you're working all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I do. You run. I run. That's a good. Re- you I'm, ski. I'm out every morning. I need for me fresh air. Yes. Is like like I don't. I've never really had a gym membership that I've sustained. I have to be outside. So, yeah, yeah I ski, I run, um, I cook. Oh, what do and, you cook? And that's the evening thing, dinner. Like, my favorite thing is like, oh, what's in the fridge? Oh, we don't have much. Okay, I'll just pull something together. Yeah. And that's fun. Like, I do it with my youngest stepson or my husband loves to eat it. And, <laughs> you know, we drink good wine. He's in charge of that. And nice. it's just a nice way to end the day.
0: Yeah. Cooking's a great relaxing if you don't have to do it, if you're just doing it because it's like a joy. I love that. And what do you do kind of um, maybe on a Sunday or Monday to set yourself up for a really good week?
1: Usually Sunday nights, I kind of get my calendar in order. um, But I try to close out things as much as I can on Fridays. I've learned that if I don't work the weekends or try not to, Mm -hmm. um, I go into the next week so much better. But I have to have that little check-in Sunday night, like calendar, just getting me ready.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: And what would you say
0: ultimately fuels you in life?
1: Um, you know, a desire um, to be meaningful. I have to mean. I have to
0: have a sense of purpose. Kind I of. I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And... I love
0: it. Well, you're changing. You're changing people's lives, really, and I love having. Um, this podcast, because I get to know people, we've never sat and just had coffee. This is what it feels like that we'd be doing anyway. Although you can do it back at me next time. You can just grill me with questions, but I'm an open book like you. Um, well, we
1: need to have you on our podcast as oh, well. Oh, what's your so, podcast? You know, we just, it's not like a continuing series, but we just do podcasts and we talk to interesting women oh. or practitioners in the menopause space. We talked to one woman who started modeling in her fifties, oh. you know, just define the notion of what a quote unquote menopause as a woman oh looks like do I
0: have to wait time menopause?
1: not at all not at all we want women that are heading into it too
0: I'll talk to you about anything I'm definitely an open book but I'm so grateful that you're on the podcast for real I'm like I have a girl crush I gotta be honest
1: oh, well thank you for having me this is a real honor um, I love I love that you bring so much personal part just so much personal um, ness into this because I think it's that, fun. I don't it's know how to roll of, any other way a big part of what makes us who we are so, yeah thank, thank you, you.
0: Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.